Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're with us and you're for us. We thank for all that you've done for us. Jesus, we love you and praise you. Oh, Lord, we thank you for what you did on that cross. We thank you, Lord, for what you do in our hearts and in our lives. And, Lord, we just pray that today you'd give us a fresh awareness of your nearness, of your presence, of your closeness. You'd give us a fresh awareness as we walk through life that you are with us, escorting us, chaperoning us, holding us by the hand, surrounding us with your love, surrounding us with your grace. You're there that we can lean on you. You're there that we can derive strength and comfort from you. You're there. So whatever our need is, we know that you're with us and you're for us and your grace will always be sufficient. Jesus, we thank you that you didn't just save us and then disappear. But you promised us that by your Holy Spirit, you would never leave us and you would never forsake us. Emmanuel, God with us, God for us. Oh, Lord, help us to always remember, cherish, and appreciate that name. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your nearness and your closeness and your faithfulness. Amen, amen, amen. Well, good morning. Grace the Lord. Good to see everybody out. Children, you're dismissed to Children's Church. It was so good to see everybody out last night. And um, amen. Just, yeah, lower me. Thank you. There they go. Children's Church. All right. Wow. Got a full group. Lord bless them workers. Amen. <laughs> Lord bless them workers. Yeah, give them, give them that grace. Well, good morning, church. It's good to have an awareness of the presence of God, amen? It's not enough just to know certain things theologically. We've got to know them personally. We've got to recognize them naturally and live that way. Some people can ace a theological test, but they fail the test of life, Amen? This is more than just knowing it in one's head. You got to know it in one's heart. Some are, as they say, just 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 north of the north of the neck, <laughs> north of the neck. But but we have to know it in our hearts and have that awareness as we walk through life. What good news! Isn't it wonderful that he's not out there somewhere? And maybe if we jump high enough, or run fast enough, or hyperventilate more enough, he'll pay attention to us. But he's promised those that love him, I'll never leave thee, forsake thee. 
I'll send you my comforter, my Holy Spirit to abide with you forever. So regardless of what life throws at us, regardless of what um, the circumstances are in our community, one thing we know, he's with us, he's for us, and in that we have grace and comfort and strength. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you'd go with me to 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Spent a few minutes this morning preaching about the Christian's rallying cry. A Christian's rallying cry. 2 Timothy 2. Just a few verses, starting with verse 8. Paul says to Timothy, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. Man, what are we willing to endure? For the church? What are we willing to endure for the family of God? What are we willing to endure to reach those he's ordained to salvation? Paul writes, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. A Christian's rallying cry. You know, this, this is one of the books that is commonly called the pastoral epistles. Because Paul is writing to a young pastor, a son in the faith, by the name of Timothy. Now Paul is in a Roman prison. He's awaiting his execution for preaching the gospel. He's going to be executed because he obeyed the commission of Christ. And this book, or really this letter, is filled with many important principles for ministry. But here's a key piece of advice that, he, that he's giving Timothy. And because of the circumstances of the letter... It has a very serious tone to it. It's a serious letter. I mean, the church is young and persecution is strong. And Paul's time on this earth is growing short. Now, I don't, I don't mind admitting that Paul is one of my favorites. I, I love the Apostle Paul. I, I love his testimony. Amen? I don't know if his testimony. Remember that in Acts 9, that Damascus Road experience? Here Paul is this rabbi of rabbis, full of hate and anger, spiritually blind, going about imprisoning Christians, raising havoc in the church. But then he has this life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. Amen? And I mean, he saw the, 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 the glory of God blinded him, and the power of God knocked him down, and heard the voice of Jesus say, Soul, soul. Why do you persecute me? What an exciting thing. And he goes from a persecutor to a preacher. How many know that true encounters with Jesus Christ change your life? Amen? Any witnesses here? When it's real, you're not the same. When you really meet him and hear his voice and have an encounter with his glory, nothing's the same. I mean, I just love Paul's testimony. And I love his tenacity. He's my kind of man. I mean, he's got some grit in him, amen? He, he's got that bulldog in him. He's biting on and not letting go. I mean, he had a refuse-to-quit attitude in life. And if you're going to make it as a Christian, you got to have some tenacity, amen? This is called a fight of faith because it's a fight of faith. There's that saying, you can't keep a good man down. Well, Paul fits right in there. This Paul was something. He's saying in the prison, he preaches in the storm, he shakes off vipers, he raises up when he's stoned and they think he's dead, but he just gets up, marches on, and preaches on, continues on. Oh, Lord, give us some more people that aren't so easy to quit and give up. But regardless of what life does, even when life knocks them down, they get back up and get back in. Amen? Somebody get back up and get back in the fight. God has more for you to do. The devil's a liar. You might have fallen, but God says, get back up. Today's a new day. I've got a fresh grace. Don't believe hell's lies. Don't succumb to hell's temptations. Rise up with some tenacity and go forward and be who God's called you to be. I love his testimony. I love his tenacity. I love his Timothys. I don't mind telling you one of the things in my life I, I, I pray more for. I don't have them like I used to. Timothys. Wayne remembers. Scores. You used to have dozens of young men who fill the office constantly. Young Timothy's, referring to the many disciples that he made. For Paul, mostly young men that he mentored and trained. Titus, Tychicus, um, Onesimorus, Epaphras. He poured his life into others. He imparted and reproduced. He followed the pattern, the command of the Lord. You know, we, we should be inspired and encouraged to pour our lives into others. We should invest into others. 
for the glory of God. We need to ask ourselves every now and again, who am I touching for Jesus? We haven't been saved a long time just so we could hoard it, but so we can share it and impart it and encourage the young in their walk with God. I love, I love him for his Timothys. And I love him for his triumphal spirit. To the very end, what an attitude. I mean, when he's just dazed from literally being decapitated for the gospel, he's able to write, I have fought the good fight, and I have finished my race, and I've kept the faith. To the very end, it was a spirit of a victor, not a victim, that characterized the life of the Apostle Paul. Regardless of setting or circumstances, to the end, what was his model? To live as Christ and to die as gain. Friends, let's have such a model. As long as we have breath within us, let our model be to live as Christ and to die as gain. Oh, I love the Apostle Paul. And from the very beginning of this letter, Paul's been trying to inspire Timothy to his task. He used various means, but now he comes to the greatest appeal of all. Verse 8, remember Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. If you don't know and love Jesus, you're not going to heaven. But if you know him, then love him and serve him and walk with him and be excited about him and be bold for him. Amen. So remember Jesus Christ. That's the rallying cry of the church. For it's in his name and it's for his cause that we live and we labor and we love. He is the captain of our salvation and he is the Lord of glory. And how's the songwriter said? Because of what he's done, we have strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Oh, Jesus is wonderful. Can you say amen? In our text, Paul gives Timothy three reminders to inspire him, to motivate him on in his task, and we can apply them to our lives. Number one, remember Jesus Christ. Verse eight, remember Jesus Christ. Timothy, let that be your rallying cry. A rallying cry. Remember the Alamo. Remember Pearl Harbor. Remember 9-11. A rallying cry. Something that motivates us, galvanizes us, moves us, inspires us to action, to courage, to sacrifice. Timothy, let that be your rallying cry. And it's written in the present tense, so it's saying, keep on remembering Jesus Christ. Don't ever forget Jesus and who he is and what he's done for you. Especially when you're called to stand for the righteous cause or you're called to sacrifice for the eternal goal. When God asks you to go the extra mile or to face the foe, remember Jesus Christ and all that he's done and all that he offers, that he's with you and he's for you. And look at all that he's done on your behalf. When you have to go, do it for Jesus. Do it in his strength. Do it for his glory. Do it in his name. Do it for his honor. Notice number one, remember Jesus Christ. Some point here, raised from the dead. Verse eight, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead. This is the emphasis on his victory, on his eternity, on his deity, on his authority. We preach, we present, we point men to a living Savior. We're not telling you to kiss a statue's toe. We're not telling you to believe in some philosophy of the mind. We're telling you Jesus rose from the dead and he lives right now, glorious, triumphant. And he is the one we serve and he's the one we love and he's the one we point men to. Living Savior who's approachable and accessible and who's fully able to save, to heal, transform lives, to mend broken lives. Paul is not saying, Timothy, remember a historical factor figure. Instead, he's saying, remember your risen, reigning, conquering Christ, the all-powerful and ever-present Lord. Remember him? He came off of that cross. Aren't you glad he came off of that cross? Some still got him on that cross. He didn't come, he's off that cross. Paul's not asking Timothy to remember or motivate himself with a religious memory or a past experience. He's exhorting him each and every day to look to and trust in and get his strength from a very real presence and power of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, God for us every step of the way. You see, it's not the dead Christ. Some, some have more faith in the dead. It's not the dead Christ that Timothy is to focus on. It's the risen Lord that leads him into battle. He's the one that hears our cries. He's the one that anoints 
our efforts. He's the one that watches over our lives, who surrounds us every step of this journey. He's the one that gives us the power we need to fight this good fight of faith. And folks, what he did for Timothy, he'll do to every one of us that love him and seek him and serve him. Oh, what a glorious thought. We serve a risen Savior. He hears our cries. He's acquainted with our griefs. He watches over us every step of the way. He's given us His Word and His Spirit so we can live out the life He's called us to live. In the living Christ who is building His church and shepherding His sheep. And He's leading you and I forward from grace to grace and faith to faith and victory to victory. You don't have to fear the future when Jesus is holding your hand. We have hope today only because He rose from the dead. Let's face it, a dead Savior can't save anyone. <laughs> a dead Savior can't save anyone. Oh no, Paul begins. He begins his appeal by emphasizing the fact that Jesus is alive. He's a living Savior. If you're going to make it in ministry... If you're going to make it in this walk of God, you better realize He's alive. You better learn how to have a relationship with the living Christ. You ought to learn how to talk with Him and hear from Him. Amen? You ought to learn how to be strong in Him and bold in Him. He is alive. So, Timothy, when you face a task that you feel is beyond you, when circumstances seem like they're too much for you, Remember, He is alive and He is with you. Oh, what a God we serve. He's alive. Dr. E.B. Hill is with the Lord now, but Dr. Hill was one of my favorite preachers. And he tells a story, I think it was back in the 70s, he was asked to pre or pray at one of those presidential inauguration kind of dinners or uh, one of those type of things. And, and he was kind of informed or really warned that it was one of those pluralistic deals, you know. So, so don't pray too specific, uh, a.k.a. don't pray in Jesus' name. But I love Dr. Hill's response. He said to the president's man, he said, Now listen, why in the world would I want to anger the Almighty for a mere president? He said, presidents come and presidents go, but the God I serve, hallelujah, the living God is from everlasting to everlasting to everlasting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. So Paul begins to encourage young Timothy. He says, you're going to face some battles. You're going to face some challenges. This world doesn't want to hear the gospel you have to preach. This world doesn't want to accept the, the moral standard that you are going to lift up. They're going to try to hinder you. They're going to try to attack you. They're going to try to intimidate. But I want you to remember Jesus Christ. You want to stir yourself up? You want to keep yourself strong each and every day? You remember Jesus? Remember, He's alive. That's all. He hears your prayers. He has power to meet your needs. He's not a philosophy. He's not a, a traditional religion and ritual. He's alive and He's working in the earth today. Number one, Timothy, remember Jesus Christ. Remember His deity. Remember His victory. Remember His authority. Remember His eternity. But secondly, He says, remember Jesus Christ. Verse 8 descended from David. Now this stresses his humanity. This is the incarnation. God became man. This is the other side. He says, remember his humanity. This is um, the angels singing to the shepherds. Behold, we give you good news of great joy for all the people. For in the town of David today is born unto you a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. This is the prophet hundreds of years earlier declaring, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. This is the other side of the coin, and I thank God for it. He's saying, now, Timothy, remember his humanity descended from David. God became man, our substitute, our representative, our advocate. Remember, Timothy, he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses and our struggles. Timothy, remember, he walked this road of life. He lived this life and walked this road. Remember, he faced life's struggles and disappointments, frustrations, heartaches, 
injustice. Timothy, remember, he was tempted in every way, but he never sinned. He's been tried by human sorrows. He can understand a broken heart. He's an understanding and a compassionate Savior. Timothy, he's someone you can talk to. He's someone you can pour your heart out to. You can trust the wonderful counselor. He gives the best advice. And his diagnosis is never wrong. You see, Timothy, Jesus understands the human experience. He's identified with us. He's been hungry. He's been tired. He's been tested. He's been tempted. He's been misunderstood. He's been falsely accused. He's been terribly betrayed. He understands that pain. He knows rejection. He knows abandonment. He's been lied about. He's been beaten. He's been abused. Thank God he's able to help those that have been tried and tested in similar ways. What a God. Oh, what a great God. So great and so powerful, yet so understanding and so sympathetic. He's lost loved ones. He's endured unfair treatment. He knows the stress and pressure of life. He's experienced things as a man. He felt the pain of our humanity. And because of that humanity, he is now a merciful and faithful high priest. That Jesus, Timothy, he's touched and aware of the things that touch us. He's able to understand and he's willing to help. Friend, no one can help you like Jesus. No one can understand you like Jesus. Nobody can minister to you like Jesus. Bring your hurt, bring your pain to Jesus. There is a place where you can go and always find an ear that's heart is compassionate, his mind is understanding, and his love is enduring. There is a place that you can go. Bring every burden, bring every pain, and bring every sorrow. Timothy, because of his humanity, there is someone you can turn to. Someone you can come to. Someone you can pour out your heart to. Bring your pain. Bring your confusion. Bring that injustice. Don't let it poison you and consume you and kill you. Bring it to Jesus. Pour out your heart and let the wounded heart healer operate on your soul like no one else can. Look at these two verses. Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews 2. And first of all, verse 18. I want you to see these. I want us to understand this great thought. The humanity of Christ. We rejoice over the deity of Christ. It encourages us. It gives us courage to go forth and believe God for great things and expect great things. But oh, the humanity of Christ makes him that wonderful counselor and comforter that you need if you're going to live this fallen life. It says, because he, Jesus himself, suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Because he suffered, he identifies, and he's able to be there for you and be there for me. When we have a brokenness, when we have a hurt, when we have a confusion, we can come and, and, and we can tell him about it and we can show it to him and he's able to touch us in places no one else can. He's able to minister to areas of the human condition that no one else can. He still heals wounded hearts today. If your heart's been wounded, your heart's been broken, bring it to Jesus. He's still in that business. Now look at this next, our next verses here, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. And I want you to connect this now. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. Isn't that good to know? There's nothing worse trying to talk to someone that just doesn't get it. Amen? Doesn't understand no matter what. You know, they, they try, but they can't. But the Bible says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted, tried, tested in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Now, don't stop there because the next verse is an exciting verse. But too often, we separate the next verse, 16 from 15, and we forget the context. Therefore, let us approach or come to the throne of grace boldly with confidence that we might keep on going, that we might obtain grace and find mercy in our time of need. 
Oh, what a beautiful thought. He starts out in 15 says, you know, because Jesus understands, because Jesus has suffered, because Jesus knows the human condition. Therefore, because we have a one that does care and does understand and is willing to heal and willing to help us and willing to pour in the oil to soothe the wounds of our soul, let us come to his throne and let's pour out our hearts and let's present to Him our needs and let's cast our burdens. Let's just come in prayer and say, Lord, this is where it hurts. This is where the brokenness is. This is where the betrayal stung me so bad. I want to get over it. I want to have grace for it. Touch me where only You can touch me. Help me, Lord, to overcome these errors. For Timothy, if you're going to walk with Him and you're going to fight this fight of faith, you're going to take some arrows. There's going to be some rejection. There's going to be some injustice. There's going to be a whole lot of misunderstanding. And I know the shield of faith is powerful. I know the walking in the Word is strong. But some of those arrows get through. And some of those things hit us when we wish they didn't. But what are you going to do when you're wounded? What are you going to do when life strikes you? Where are you going to go? How are you going to deal? Bring it to the throne of grace. Bring it with confidence knowing He cares and He's willing. And maybe others don't want to hear it. And maybe others don't understand it. But Jesus Jesus loves you. And Jesus is ours to heal you. And He says, bring to me all your burdens and all your cares and talk to me and give unto me and let me touch you and let me counsel you and let me comfort you. Let me pour my healing oil into your heart and into your soul. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Can I have your Bible? Hallelujah. Ain't God good to us? Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. Don't forget the gospel. Don't forget the gospel. We've got a message to preach. We've got some good news to proclaim. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yeah, I thought that. I don't know why that cut off in half. If you have your Bible, go to Hebrews 4 and 16. Sometimes these computers, you like to give them a boot. I know I would. I'll boot them up all right. I'll boot these things. Amen. Hebrews 4 and verse 16, let us come boldly. Let us come confidently to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find help in our time of need. You see, verse 15 says, he's been wounded like we've been wounded. He's been hurt like we've been hurt. That's why he became a man. So he could sympathize with us and understand. He's been walked out on. He's been lied about. Amen. Everybody talking about injustice. Jesus knew injustice. Amen. I mean, but he understood it. And he didn't sin. But he took that for you and I. He took that so he could intercede for us. He took that so he could properly represent us. But he also took it so he could heal us. And he could help us and he could mend us. And because we understand, Jesus understands. Therefore, let us come boldly to that throne. Let's bring that care. Let's bring that burden that we might obtain the help and the grace that only heaven gives and only Jesus offers. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There, that's it. Look at that. Look at that. Let us then, because we recognize he's been there. And he understands and his heart has moved. Then, therefore, let's approach his throne with confidence that we might receive, friend, God has mercy and grace to help you in your time of need. Oh, man. Oh, what a God we serve. What a God we serve. Timothy, remember Jesus Christ. You're not in this thing alone. Keep on remembering Him. Stir your faith. Encourage yourself with the thought that He's alive, ruling and reigning. But He became a man, sympathetic and understanding. What a God we serve. Raised from the dead, descended from David, this is my gospel. Let us remember the gospel. There's no point in living this if we're not going to declare the message that heaven has given us. This is the message. This declares the truth of man's condition and God's salvation. This tells us clearly men are sinners, but Christ is a wonderful Savior. Men are sinners, but Jesus is heaven's Savior.
It's good news that we have to declare it. It's good news that we should never be ashamed of. It's good news that we cannot neglect it. But it's our message that men must hear, that men desperately need friends. The gospel is too eternally important to be tampered with, to be watered down, to suit the taste of a fallen and lost world. Men got to hear that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. They got to hear that everyone needs a Savior. There's no one good enough to get into heaven without Jesus. There, there's no one that can live a life, give enough money, do enough good things to earn their way into heaven. All have sinned. All are guilty. All need a Savior. See, the good news isn't good unless you know the bad news. I need a Savior. You need a Savior. The good news. God did for us what we could never do for ourselves. He made a way that we can be forgiven. He made an avenue that we can be made right with Him. How? He sent His Son to take our place, to die on a cross. On that cross, He didn't just die a martyr's death. He was our substitute, taking the wrath of God for us. The wrath I deserve was poured out on Calvary, on Jesus Christ. And now if I'll come to Him, the triumph that He earned. Amen. I can receive His forgiveness. I can receive His salvation. God paid the price and made provision for our sins, made a way for us to be forgiven by sending His only begotten Son to take our place, to shed His blood. And today, whosoever will, if you'll come, He'll receive you. If you'll put your faith in Christ, He'll make you a new creature. Whosoever will, His arms are open wide. Today is the day of salvation. It doesn't matter what you've done, how many times you've tried or failed. If you'll come to Jesus, He won't cast you out. He'll receive you. If you'll come to Him, put your faith in Him, give your life to Him. He'll wash you. You'll never, your sins will be completely forgiven. And He'll put His Spirit within you and make you brand new. Can you say amen to that? Paul's getting ready to be martyred. He's doing his best to disciple these young ministers because they're going to carry on the task after he's gone. And Timothy was like a son in the faith. Timothy, pretty soon, I'm out of here. You're going to have to pick up some of the load, son. If you want to fight this fight and finish your race, number one, you better remember Jesus Christ. Keep on remembering Jesus. He's alive. The devil can sneer Jesus is alive. The enemy can try to trip us up. Jesus is alive! And when you're hurting, remember, he was a man too. He's a wonderful counselor. Bring your hurts to Jesus. Don't let the world poison you. Don't let the world oppress you. Don't let the world just, just continue to beat up on you. There is a place that you can go. And there is one who understands. And there is one that is willing to heal your hurts and pour in grace to your wounds. Remember Jesus Christ. Now verse 9, remember, remember the word of God. Remember God's word. Look at this now. Verse 9, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. I like that. For preaching the gospel, Paul is suffering. He's suffering as a criminal, as an evildoer. He was chained like a criminal, but he rejoices that God's word cannot be chained. They imprison the preacher, but the word of God is still moving on, transforming lives penetrating hearts and nations. Rome couldn't prison Paul, but they could never find a prison that could contain the Word of God. Men have tried to stamp out God's Word, but you cannot kill that which is eternal. You can exile the man, but you cannot exile the truth of God. Imprison the preacher, but not the Word that he preaches, for the message is mightier than the man. Timothy said, preach the Word. In season and out. Don't be timid about it. Don't hold back from it. For this word is a powerful word. It's an enduring, persevering word. It's a word that's able to penetrate calloused hearts, broken hearts, resistant hearts. It's a powerful word. I was going to chuckle. There's a story about the French atheist Voltaire. And while he lived, he claimed that a hundred years from now, the only Bible men will see will be in a museum. As it, as it goes, God does have a sense of humor. Because a hundred years later, his house was owned by a Bible society. 
printing and shipping Bibles all over the world. He who sits in the heavens laughs. Amen. He mocks. He scoffs. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a powerful word. And the false prophets and false religions, the agnostics, the will come and go, but the word of the Lord remains forever. It's an enduring word. It's a word for all nations, all generations, all peoples, all times. It never stops being relevant. It never stops being necessary. It never stops being authoritative. You'll never need a new model. The word of God is the word of God. Eight-track tapes serve their purpose, but they're gone. Amen. That shag carpet, get rid of it. It's over. That pass. Amen. Lava lamp, sell them at the garage sale. No, no, gone. The Etzel, the DeSoto, gone. The milkman, that 70s new you had. Remember some of the, remember some of the, you remember that? Yeah, it got up high, didn't it? Oh, gone. Well, God's word, just like God himself, changes not. You never need a new model. Amen. Hallelujah. It's, it's a persevering word. For every generation, they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need the authority of the word of God. Every nation. There's not one for the north and one for the south. There's not one for America and one for Africa. There's one gospel and one holy word. And it's a penetrating word. How the author of Hebrews write how the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. It's alive. It penetrates. It penetrates. Some of you, before you came to Christ, were hard. You were hardened in sin. You were just hard in anger. And the word of God penetrated what the words of others couldn't do. The word of God penetrated your heart. The word of God somehow opened up your mind. Changed your life. How the word works. And this word still works. Preach it boldly and preach it confidently. Doesn't matter who it is, they need the gospel. And now finally, in verse 10, Paul, number one, he reminds Timothy, remember Jesus Christ. You want to stir yourself up, motivate yourself? He's alive, amen? Seated at the right hand of the Father with a name that's above every name, with all power and authority in heaven and earth given unto him. Isn't that beautiful? And then by his spirit, he's with us. He's got all power. He's with us. Look out. Here we come. Stir yourself up. Amen. You want to motivate yourself, encourage you. He's alive and he's with me. When you get hurt, and you will get hurt, if you live in this world, you'll get hurt. There's one you can talk to. There's one you can come to. There's one that understands. There's one that you can trust. There's one that can minister grace to your soul. No one can do it like Jesus. Remember the gospel. It's the message we have to preach. It's the good news that men must hear. There's nothing that can replace the gospel. There's nothing that will ever come that's more important than the gospel. Let's do our part to share the gospel. Let's do our part to tell others about Jesus. Let's do our part to invite others that they might hear the gospel. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember God's word. They can vote in this. They can vote in that. Remember God's word. They can say this is the, this is the next great thing. Remember God's word. When you need direction in life, remember God's word. When you need comfort for your present battle, remember God's word. He's got a promise for you. He's got something to encourage you. He's got something to console you. Hey, man, remember God's word. Lastly, verse 10, Paul wants us to remember God's people. This challenging. Verse 10, this verse 10 is something. We can easily glean over certain verses that are pregnant. With heaven speaking to hearts, challenging hearts, calling us. Look at this. Therefore, Paul says, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Wow. Wow. What's he saying? He's saying God has a people in this world in this community, in this generation. A people that will only be reached and rescued through the faithful efforts of a dedicated people. 
God's looking for people that can say like Paul, I'll endure it, Lord. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. If it means to the other side of the world, or if it means to go across the street and invite the neighbor of all those bratty kids to VBS, Lord, I'm willing to endure rejection for you. I'm willing to endure misunderstanding for you. We, we, we've turned the thing around. And we built sometimes entire churches. And what God's going to do for you, God's going to do for you, God's going to do for you. We'll drive you in, sit you down, pat you on the head. And God said, who's willing to say, Lord, I'm offering myself to you. I'm willing to endure. If it means souls will come to salvation. If it means seeing those you've ordained to salvation come to know Jesus. God is looking for a people that will care. That will be willing to endure. A time sacrifice. Challenge the forces of darkness. Anybody want to challenge some darkness? Do something bold for Jesus. We play it too safe. We make comfort too much of a goal. Step out of that boat. Go ahead knock on that door. Go ahead and speak up. I mean, it doesn't seem like the right. Go ahead. Somebody be bold for Jesus. Somebody be bold for Jesus. I'm trying to tell you, someone has to go to Nineveh. Someone has to challenge Goliath. Someone has to speak to that poor, pathetic woman at the well. Someone has to stoop down and pour in the oil and the wine into the wounded lives, bleeding and dying on Jericho's road. Paul was saying, Timothy, that is why we endure, we go the extra mile, we lay down our rights, we lay down our comforts, that is why we fight the Christian battle. There is a cause. God has a people. That's why we give. That's why we pray. That's why we serve. That's why we go. God has a people. If only someone will take the gospel to them and pay the price to reach them for the one that paid the ultimate price that we might know him. Oh, my God. Oh, anybody getting this? This is from a man in prison, getting ready to meet God, leaving some last lines for his young sons in the faith. And he's saying, give it your all. Give it your best. He'll be with you every step of the way. He won't fail you or forsake you. And at the end, it will be worth it all. But there's a people that have to be reached. If we love him, we'll take his message everywhere he lets us take it. And we'll be willing to sacrifice our creature comforts. We'll sacrifice some of our own dreams. We'll sacrifice many of our own rights. Because it's worth it all. If it glorifies Him. If it pleases Jesus. That's the goal of our lives. Is to please Him. Who did so much for us. The Christians rally and cry. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember He's alive. Remember all that He's done. Remember, he loves you and he's for you. Remember, he has a people out there that he's calling on us to do our part to reach. Let these truths inspire our faith, encourage our walk and our service. Let's be a people that are committed to wholehearted effort to touch our world and to reach those that Christ died for. Can you say amen? We're going to sing our last song and open our altar and pray. If you're here today for any reason you haven't received Christ, or maybe you've been getting lukewarm, you've been just kind of going through the motions, and you need just to make a fresh altar of commitment and dedication. As we sing and people are up here being prayed for various things, I encourage you to come and make a fresh altar. And say, Lord, I want to get back in the race. Uh, I've been put in cruise control too long. But now I want to get back in. I want to find my place in the battle. I'm going to commit myself afresh to do my part in my world. To touch lives for you. To do what you call me to do. Hallelujah. 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 Let's respond to the call to service. Let's respond to the call of service. I encourage you right now, whatever the Lord 
is speaking to your heart. Respond to it. Respond to it. Who the Lord speaking to your heart? The Holy Spirit can speak 150 hearts. All different things. He speaks. Amen? We're, we're, we're just here. But it's His service. I want to encourage whatever the Holy Spirit is laying on your heart, speaking to your heart, take this moment and respond to it. Take this moment and respond to it. Hallelujah. Be here today. And you say, I feel like I've been giving it my own, but I'm weary and I'm thirsty. I'm getting tired. Then why don't you come and come expecting we're going to believe God to fill you afresh. We're going to believe the comfort and grace of God to come upon you in a new measure. To renew your strength, to minister grace to your heart, and to give you new power to get back in there and fight the good fight of faith. Amen? Stand with me, please. Stand with me, please. We're going to pray our prayer, and then we're going to open the altar. And if you need prayer, if you need to respond, I want you to come. I want you to come with an expectation. I want you to come with a sincerity. But my biggest prayer is whatever God is speaking to you, whatever is speaking to you, respond to it. It might be something that will change your life. It might be something as simple as something he wants you to talk to at work. But whatever the Spirit of God is speaking to you, Paul says, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. And God's asking for a response to whatever he's put on our hearts. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the great encouragement we find in the Word. We thank you for the words that your Spirit put upon the heart of the Apostle Paul to write to us. We thank you for this key to victory in life. Remembering and keep on remembering Jesus, risen, reigning, conquering Christ, the one that's forth with all power and glory, the one that walked this earth like a man, as a man. So we got someone we can talk to, someone we can cast our cares upon, someone that can give us comfort in our souls and in our heart, someone that knows how to heal brokenness as he's been broken. Thank you for that, Lord. But, Lord, we cannot skim by the challenge of verse 10. Where Paul writes, he endured everything for the sake of the elect. Jesus, we want to say the same thing about our lives. That we're willing to do whatever you want us to do. To win souls. To get the gospel out. To touch those you have called to eternal life. And we offer ourselves, Lord. We offer ourselves, Lord. You've done so much for us. You've been so good to us. We counted a privilege this morning to give ourselves a fresh and Lord, here we are. Put us where you want us. Use us as you desire. And whatever it is you are impressing upon our hearts today, whether it be great or small, we're going to respond in faith and obedience. We're going to receive your word and respond to it. Now, Father, as we open this altar, please, please, Father God, touch hearts. Minister fresh grace and holy oil to souls. People have been wounded. Let those wounds receive some mending this morning in Jesus' name. People have been weary. Let them receive a renewing of strength and faith this morning. And for all of us, Lord, guide us, direct us, speak to us. We're your servants. We desire to do your will. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, let's respond to the Lord. These altars are open. Let's meet with God.